Chapter Twenty Three of the Girls of St. Wode's. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Girls of St. Wode's by L. T. Mead. Chapter Twenty Three The Picnic. The Gilroy children were all in the wildest state of excitement. It was a lovely day in July, and they were off for a picnic on the river. Leslie was standing by the centre table in the dining room, busily packing a basket. Kitty was buttering bread and making sandwiches. Mabel was cutting cake into thick slices. Hester was darning a rent in the back of her dress. And Llewellyn was here, there, and everywhere. "'We must start soon,' he said. "'When will the baskets be ready?' I wonder mother has not come in is not she in asked Leslie standing up to her full height and pressing her hand to her forehead Have you got one of your headaches back again Leslie asked Llewellyn? Oh just a little very little but the air will do me good it will be lovely today on the river Yes splendid said Llewellyn We will have tea at Twickenham and go home in the cool of the evening you cannot think how nice old Forrest has been about this. He gave me a holiday at once when I asked him this morning. He said that he only wished he kept a provision shop instead of a drapery shop so that he might send us pies and things for our picnic. But even though he does keep a linen draper's shop, said Hester, he could still help us. I, for instance, should not at all object to materials for a new gown. This old serge is so thick and hot. But if you put on a white shirt dear you will look as neat and nice as possible said Leslie and won't be at all too warm Oh, I can't be bothered said Hester shrugging her shoulders I forgot to send my shirts to the wash on Monday, and I have not one fit to be seen Then it serves you right if you are hot and uncomfortable said Kitty Kitty herself was always the pink of neatness Hester was evidently the troublesome one of the family Leslie went on packing her basket. She wedged in the hard-boiled eggs, raised pies, roast chickens, sandwiches, and the sweets. At last the big basket was quite full. Doesn't it look tempting, said Mabel, smacking her lips. How frightfully hungry I'll be. Oh, don't forget, whatever happens, the other basket with the ginger beer and lemonade. I only trust we have got enough. And the cold tea for mother said Llewellyn be sure you put that in The boys and girls chatted eagerly one to the other I Say cried Kitty isn't it nice to have old Leslie back again? We'll hate it when you have to return to your grand college in the autumn Leslie, but I wish she added you would talk more about it I thought you'd have no end of rattling good stories to tell us But you are as mum and quiet as if you had not had a good time at all Whereas of course you have had the best time a girl could have I Suppose it is the weight of all the learning that bothers you and what about those Chetwins? You wrote to mother about them and about that extraordinary girl Bell Acheson But since you have come back you have hardly said a word about any of your fellow students I am sorry said Leslie. I will try to tell you something amusing today Kitty I don't want to make myself mum and disagreeable Oh, you are never that you dear old darling only we were hoping for so much weren't we Hetty 
yes said hester who was still darning the rent in her dress i do wish this cotton wouldn't break so give it to me said leslie i'll have it darned in a trice ah there's mother's step at last dear old mummy i hope she's not too tired there is someone coming back with her said kitty don't you hear two footsteps who can it possibly be the next moment the room door was opened and mrs gilroy accompanied by mr parker came in leslie had not seen mr parker since her interview with him at wingfield she now felt herself turning pale her pallor was suddenly succeeded by a quick flush of color she hoped no one had noticed her agitation but raising her eyes she met those of llewellyn his wore a perturbed expression mr parker after greeting the other children came up to her and offered his hand glad to see you back again miss leslie he said there was an indescribable restrained note in his voice well children what do you say to my joining you today he turned and faced kitty and hester your mother was good enough to invite me and i am as up to a bit of frolic as if i were as young as you where is little dan he must be my special charge today kitty give me those sandwiches i can finish packing them said leslie in a low voice which she hardly recognized as her own after mr parker's one hand clasp which was firm and cordial enough he had turned his back on her he still did so and kept on talking to llewellyn and the younger children mrs gilroy sat down on the sofa it is very hot she said and you are very tired said mr parker now listen i am going to have my own way and nobody shall interfere what is a good of money if you cannot spend it now and then you want to go to richmond turning to mrs gilroy go to richmond you shall but you are not going by train no we will have a carriage and i will drive you down a carriage will hold you and myself and a couple of the children not another word my dear friend what is the good of money if you cannot have a treat but you do far too much for us mr parker replied mrs gilroy far too much he answered tut tut not a bit of it i'm a lonely man madam my one interest in life is you and your family here he glanced at leslie but the next moment looked away there was disapproval in his face leslie started up impulsively all the provisions were packed yes mother she cried do let mr parker drive you it will do you no end of good all right darling i have not the least objection if you will come with us i need not ask you mr parker if you object to leslie being one of the party in the carriage dan shall sit on my knee said mr parker and two of the children shall be crowded in just as miss leslie likes of course but leslie had left the room she called llewellyn to follow her he hurried out what is the matter with you leslie he said my head is very bad i cannot go to the picnic leslie you will upset us all and as to mother listen lou i cannot give you any reason but neither can i go and i want you to help me but i fail to understand you were full of going a moment ago i know but with a headache like mine there is nothing for it but rest and quiet do help me please i am most anxious that mother should have this one delightful happy day let kitty and mabel go in the carriage and dan too if there is room 
and will you take hester by train let mother think that i am coming with you then when you meet by the river you must tell her that i had a bad headache and was obliged to stay at home i cannot go lou there is no use in coaxing me and i do not wish mother to know until she gets to richmond well of course i'll manage it if it must be managed said llewellyn but i cannot imagine what is up i am certain it is more than a mere headache but of course leslie i have no intention of forcing your confidence don't like a darling said leslie she touched him on the arm and looked into his face then you are in trouble dear old girl tears rose to her eyes yes but you cannot help me to bear it it is something which i must not tell to anyone i must just bear my burden alone do not ask me any more i won't and i'll manage things for you run upstairs now and keep quiet i'll tell mother when we get to richmond that you are a bit seedy but that a few hours of rest will put you all right he hurried off and a few moments later leslie from her window saw the carriage party under way soon afterwards llewellyn and hester started off for the railway station leslie found herself alone she sat down by her window and tried to face the position it had not been the first time she had made a gallant effort to do so but what am i to do she said now to herself but the answer came quickly live it down was the reply of her heart be true to your sense of honor save your friend if you can bear the terrible and cruel position in which you are placed trust to god putting things right but the dreadful part of it is thought poor leslie that he is making me so hard i almost hate annie colchester i did not know it was in me to feel so bad about anything there is one thing certain i shall never be able to endure mr parker's eyes i shall have to leave the room or the house when he comes to see us there I must not sit still any longer poor darling Lou he little knows what I am really suffering Early in the afternoon there came a ring at the front door and who should be standing on the threshold But the well-known figure of Bell Aitchison Leslie ran to let her in how lucky that I was in she said please come into the dining-room Bell So this is your domicile said Bell she raised her eyes and looked up at the windows then glancing round the walls finally settled them on the much-worn carpets at her feet neat but not gaudy she said not much to complain of when all is said and done how do you do she held out her hand to her friend leslie grasped it i'm delighted to see you said leslie i'm all alone for mother and the children are on the river and you you dear faithful soul have stayed at home to go on with your literary studies exclaimed bell her eyes gleaming not a bit of it bell you must not think me better than i deserve i stayed at home to mope to mope surely you are not regretting having put your hands to the plough you are not looking back leslie i could never have thought it of you i am not looking back bell i am still as fond as ever of my studies but at the present moment i am not thinking of literature nor of college life at all sit down how hot you look the day is such a sultry one hot said bell is it perhaps i am hot i don't know does heat matter that is the question she flung off her hat and let it tumble on the floor her brow was wet with perspiration 
no physical discomfort seemed to matter as far as you were concerned said leslie with a smile i do not feel physical suffering said bell that is the truth my mind is wrapped in meditation and thoughts of the future i long for this tiresome holiday to be at an end i have one comfort however my money is continuing to heap up when i finish my collegiate career i shall have quite enough to open my hostel i shall call it a hostel for the lovers of pure literature i am sure it will do well it will supply a long-felt need but leslie was not in the humor to talk about the hostel just then i have a great deal to worry me just now continued bell mother has so little sympathy i have no consolation but one or two books the best of friends by the way leslie you don't look too bright yourself your brow has quite a haggard look i am certain although you will not acknowledge it that you are missing st wode's in many ways i am dear oh this is delicious said bell she hopped up from her seat and drew a chair close to leslie does your mother object to your studies she said does she no bell you don't understand my mother i only wish you could meet her my trouble has nothing to do with my studies i have a care that i cannot confide to anyone pray don't at least never confide in me it is the last thing i wish to be the recipient of another person's secrets i either forget what i am told or i blurt it out to the next person i come across you had better let your worry go that's my advice let it go i wish i could you can if you will do what i ask absorb yourself in work cease to fret about mere externals what do they matter heat cold worry pain even nothing matters if one can but grasp the riches of the past what about the riches of the future bell you are so fond of looking back do you ever look forward forward said bell yes i sometimes do i look forward to the time when frivols will be exterminated for ever when the drones of the ordinary course of things must die out leslie dear would you feel inclined to hear me recite some verses of my own this morning i have been in the poetic mood for the last few days and last night the poet's frenzy really seized me my lines begin with delve delve deeply delve i don't think i quite follow said leslie quite follow but it is so simple the metaphor refers to a miner the gold is beneath he delves he obtains his joy is unutterable but i am not in the humor for poetry today the fact is i am not in the humor to be anything but disobliging now that i do not believe but i will keep my verses until they are quite finished each stanza correct the swing the meter perfect by the way have you seen the chetwynds since they came down no i hear that eileen has taken some dreadful disease exploring in back slums her mother is in a terrible state but is eileen really ill asked leslie starting up so i have heard they say she is rather bad oh my dear it is only the body pray don't worry but bell this is intolerable we cannot do without our bodies while we live poor eileen ill what did you say fever i did not know that i did but it is fever typhoid or typhus or something of that sort i didn't quite catch the name it may be smallpox but i don't think so 
Belle, you are intolerable. Have you no sympathy? Intolerable? said Belle. Now, my dear Leslie, for goodness sake, don't get commonplace. You may be quite certain that Eileen has the best doctors and the best nurses which London can afford. Does it help her that you should have that flush on your cheeks and that frown between your brows? Does it help her that you should abuse me? All this emotion is waste, waste of sympathy. I am sorry, but I must give it, said Leslie. Dear Marjorie, how she will feel it. I must go and inquire after Eileen immediately. I thought you were not well yourself. I have a headache, but what does that matter? I must go to see Marjorie immediately and to hear about Eileen. If you want to make your inquiries properly, said Belle, go by the underground. It is so hot that you will feel yourself a real martyr. Put on your thickest coat and your heaviest hat, and then you will really enjoy yourself. Good-bye. I am going away, as I see it is your wish. I will come another day when you feel more like the Leslie Gilroy, whom I used to admire at St. Wode's. I will never be the Leslie that you admired if you wish me not to give sympathy to those in trouble, replied Leslie. She ran upstairs, put on her hat, took up her gloves, and went out. End of chapter 23